0: welcome to Perspectives. Today, I am really excited to be talking with my guest, Stacy Brinkman, the founder of SipSpy. Stacy, welcome. Hi, Katie. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for taking the time to do this. So, you know, I was looking at your site and also figuring out what box I want to order. <laughs> Before we get into talking about your company, people often talk about how if you truly love what you do, you can make a great business out of it, and you just need to find something you love, which actually is not, oftentimes is not that easy to monetize necessarily what you love. But in your case, it really seems to have worked. Can we start, before we talk about the company, what is it you love about tea?
1: (laughs) I'm like smiling from ear to ear while you ask this question. I feel so lucky to work in tea and I tell people that, um, and actually it, it really is. I, I, before I started Sipsby I did progressive work for various startups and, um, I would always tell myself if I'm going to work this hard, I would love to do something that I love, you know? And I think it was very intentionally when I was, I, I kind of hit a point in my career that, um, I, I wanted to start a business of my own and I knew that I wanted to work in tea. And I think um, that's where, for me, sips by. it was just about how can I work in tea and have a business that's in tea. And I think that to answer your question directly, like what I love about tea, um, I could, it sounds so cheesy, but I would just say, what do I not love about tea? Um, so I, I've never been a coffee drinker. Um, I love the smell. I just, um, how it makes me feel um, isn't great. And I think it started really in college looking for caffeine that wasn't soda, you know, to drink. And um, there's something about the way drinking tea made me feel. And it's like, I got the energy boost from the caffeine, but I just felt good when I drank tea. And I think that um, it kind of Uh, blossomed from there because in college I just went to the local grocery store and picked up something off the shelf um, which there's nothing wrong with that Um, but I didn't it was always peach green tea and I just drank peach green tea all through college Um, but then in 2010 I um, took a trip over to Asia and I was in China and Japan and when I was in um, both places I saw tea ceremony for the first time and um, it was amazing. I think Japanese culture um, alone is very mindful, you know, um, and they have um, a lot of mindful practices kind of in uh, weaved into their day to day culture and life. And I saw a tea ceremony, and my jaw hit the floor. And I was drinking pure tea for the, really the first time, and the taste was amazing. Um, and I, you know. 2010 is like a decade ago, literally at this point. And so I think I had a textile obsession too, and my suitcase was like full of textiles. And I just told myself, I will buy these teas when I get home, thinking I could just go buy those teas easily and find those teas easily. And so I got back home, I'm I'm in Austin, Texas. I got back home to Texas and I was at a grocery store and I had no clue what I was doing. I had no, I didn't know what I didn't know about tea at the time. And um, it just became this like obsessive hobby. And I started going online, you know, like a good grandma millennial that I am. And I was just searching tea website to tea website, blog boards. I was just looking to find that tea, you know, that I drank and loved so much that I tied to this like magical experience of a tea ceremony that was super mindful and I was studying mindfulness at the time and um I just uh yeah I fell in love. I became it became an obsession really quickly. And as a consumer and as a tea lover and hobbyist, that obsession kind of turned into a frustration um because it was hard to find great tea <laughs> and I had to pay shipping fees from website to website just to try things and to experience it and interact with it. You know? And I think um just fast forward 10 years later I've learned so much about tea at this point point. and um, one of my favorite things about tea that feel good feeling that I had in college um, there's literally something in tea it's called L-theanine and L-theanine um, it while you get kind of the the caffeine buzz you know with tea it's a more constant buzz with coffee you can get an extreme caffeine lift you know and then you crash With tea, you get this constant caffeinated um, state um, that lasts longer. And then the L-theanine in tea um, promotes a sense of calm and focus. And I think that that's something, um, you know, as a grandma millennial, the first, like, ever connected, you know, digital generation, um, uh, you see stress and anxiety levels rising. Um, And I think that there literally is something about tea as, like, a very broadly accessible and affordable uh, sense of calm and comfort. And I think I felt it, you know, in the mid 2000s when I was in college without realizing, you know, that there actually is, um, it's the only bi- bioavailable source of L-theadine um, out of anything we can consume. And so uh, that's, I could keep going, um, but, and I'll wrap up here, that's, that's what I love about tea. <laughs>
0: Well, that those are all things to love about tea. And I feel like we will get along very well because I love tea too. And I love textiles. So there you have it. (laughs) Yes, The Japanese tea ceremonies that I've seen, I've seen a few, not in Japan, but they're so precise and have such a reason for everything. And it feels very lovely and ordered, especially now when things feel very out of order. So with your love of tea, please tell us how you went from that yes. to starting your company Sips By. Yeah.
1: So, and I think this is what I jumped ahead to um, at the very beginning. So um, I think like during that time that this like hobby and obsession and frustration was forming, um, I had in parallel to my love for tea, I had um, growing experience helping other uh, entrepreneurs and founders launch their products and their companies and build their teams. And I think um, throughout that time, uh, I, I work hard. No matter what I do, I work really hard. And I, I just kept telling myself if I'm going to work this hard, I sh- I sh- it should be for myself. And it should be doing something I feel great about. And I think in my personal life, it's like, what are the things that bring me the most joy? Um, and it would have been, you know taking hikes, playing sand volleyball, or drinking tea. And um, tea definitely seems like the most uh, <laughs> readily like, able to turn it into a business of some type. Um, and I just uh, started doing market research. And I, at first, I was planning to start a tea company. Um, but then I realized how much I don't know about that and how much other people do know about that. And what I saw um, was that tea consumption was forecasted to grow pretty significantly in the US. So this is like 2016 when I started doing this research, um, like market research. And it was really just using Google, you know, I didn't have this, I didn't have a budget, like I didn't reach out to a research firm, I just got online and started reading. And, um, And what I realized was because of the growth of tea in the US market, you had a lot of companies from that were headquartered in international um, countries looking to establish a presence in the US. And I thought, OK, um, I'm definitely not going to be able to compete with these companies who've been in tea for decades, um, who know everything there is to know. I don't have the budget or the resources you know, to go head to head with some of these companies. But what I do know is, and like in the market research, um, millennials um, and Gen Z are fueling the growth and the demand of tea. And I just said, well, I am a grandma millennial. I do love tea. Um, I represent the audience that these brands are trying to reach. Um, And with examples like Stitch Fix that did personalized fashion for their subscriber base, um, I just thought, you know why? I'm like, surely someone has done a tea subscription that's personalized. And so I got online and I started looking, and I couldn't find it. Um, and I just said, I would buy this if it existed. And um, and then I just I, I did a market uh, survey, which involved going to Typeform and creating a Typeform survey with like ten questions, and I posted it to my Facebook and Instagram profiles, and I said. Um, if you're interested in tea or if you like caffeine, take this quick survey. I didn't tell people, Hey, I'm looking into starting a company. I just super quick and easy. Um, and I got validation so the important questions I put into that survey were if there were a service and then I kind of described SipSpy, um, would you be interested to subscribe? And then the next question I asked is, um, if they answered yes, there was like a little logic jump. Um, how much would you be willing to pay for that service? And then if they answered no, that they weren't interested in it, I asked them if they knew someone who would be. Um, And those are the three important questions that I asked. And I think I got enough validation there um, that I started spending more time on it.
0: So how does SIPS by work?
1: So SIPS by... um, our mission is to make discovering tea fun, personalized and affordable. Um, we work with over 150 different tea brands around the world, um, big and small. And then our customers go to sipspy.com, where they take a profile quiz and they tell us what they like and don't like about tea. Um, and then we um, we wrote these crazy, awesome personalization algorithms um, that help us personalize four unique Tea selections from four different brands um, for our customers each month. Um, and we pack the box up for them and ship it to their doorstep. So um, yeah, uh, each box is $15 a month, free shipping to the U.S.
0: Okay. Well, I'm totally doing this when we get off of our, uh, of our interview. But you mentioned something there that I also want to touch on, because besides this very lovely um, love of tea, there's also a, a serious te- technology component to this, right? Right. Yeah. And, and that is something that plays into now, especially now, how things have, um, things have really changed so quickly with COVID. It's really accelerated this direct-to-consumer um, way of thinking. How does technology play into your company?
1: So um, significantly. Technology plays a huge role in SIPSPY, um, and it's with or without the personalization. Um, I the we wrote extensive personalization algorithms. Um, and it's not me who's writing that. Uh, my secret weapon is my husband. Um, and he is this big, tall, Viking presence of a man. Um, he's literally Norwegian. He moved to the US in 2013 from Norway. Um, and he studied engineering cybernetics. He worked in the semiconductor space. And um, when I was starting Sips by, I read all about Stitch Fix and all about how Katrina Lake, you know, started her business again, using Google, um, a free tool. And um, I read that she actually launched using an Excel spreadsheet where she tracked everyone's size and their color preference and pattern preferences. And um, I thought that's what I'll do. Um, I'm just going to do, uh, I'll demonstrate that people are interested in this and then I'll raise money to hire an engineer to help me build out, you know, some, some algorithms, um, to personalize. And, um, my husband and I, when we were at home, we always worked on side projects and we had this big long desk where we worked side by side on separate things, Uh, but he would always peer over my shoulder when I was working on SipSpy and he kind of just started like dabbling and helping me out. And he's like, "Well, how are you doing that? How are you? How are you going to personalize for people?" I showed him my Excel spreadsheet, and you know, I'm very visual, and I had like all these colors on the page. And he was like, "That's not gonna. That's gonna break. You're gonna hit 50 people, and you're not gonna be able to keep up with it, and it's gonna break." And I just looked at him, and I'm like, "Well, I'll figure out how to solve this when I get to that point." And he said, "No, let me. Let me just do something. It'll just take 15 minutes. It'll be fine." And really, from that point onward, um, he he's been able. Uh, <laughs> he I'll I'll just say he left his full time role in um, May of last year. Um, he was working in uh, microchips, and um, he joined Sips by full time at that
0: time. Fantastic. Well, first of all, he sounds amazing, handsome, and, uh, you know, and smart. So that sounds great. But so how many people are in your company now? So we have 15 people on
1: the team full time. Um, We launched the website. It was just me. I was kind of a one woman show, you know, with my husband toying with personalization algorithms in the background um, in January of 2017. And um, we just grew to 15 people this year, up from 12. Um, and then we're um, actually hiring. Um, we're looking to grow to 25
0: people by this time next year. Oh, fantastic. So I, I mentioned COVID. Has that changed how you've been operating or not necessarily?
1: Yeah, I am sitting in my dining room right now. Um <laughs> It's it was such um, I was so proud to move into our first commercial space because we operated out of my house for the first um, God bless my neighbors. We operated out of my house for the first two and a half years of the business, maybe three um, and um, actually it's two and a half because we've we're three and a half year old company and we've been in our commercial space for a year a little over a year um, and uh, yeah, so our, my when COVID hit, um, my, my primary objective was to keep our fulfillment and warehouse team as safe as possible um, and to keep our team at large as safe as possible. And so um, really what that looked like was saying everyone who can should go work from home. And we did that actually before it was mandated, um, maybe just, you know, a half week before, but Um, And so our office team is all working from home, um, and we continue to work from home, and we will, because my top priority now, so I I think the team has really adjusted well to a remote working environment, um, but our warehouse and fulfillment team, they have to show up on site to pack boxes, um, to send tea to our customers, and, um, you know, in order to keep them as safe as possible, we need to reduce the number of people going on site. And so, um, yeah, we have anyone who can works in a remote capacity. Um, and then we've changed our process um, pretty significantly in how we, you know, maintain our warehouse, receive product and pack and ship boxes. Um, and we've done everything we can and more um, to create a safe of an environment as we possibly can.
0: Will you continue any of those even after there's a vaccine or things go back to whatever the next version of normal is?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think, um, so I have a warehouse, um, operations manager that really runs the show, um, in our warehouse and fulfillment center. And so I'll really, um, rely on her to help me see like what she thinks is necessary for that team. Um, for the warehouse fulfillment team in terms of keeping them safe and productive. Um, when it comes to our full-time team, I actually, I think it's it's definitely something I'm considering in terms of, like, I love working from home personally. Um, I miss being with people in person and working through whiteboarding things. Um, I, we used to drink tea every morning together in the office, um, and I miss that um we don't circle around a water cooler we literally just circle around a table and drink tea together um and i i know the team we all miss that um but i think that we are considering a different like you know office style we're considering having like co-working uh desks and rooms that people can rent out and um have reliable internet if something's going on at home um, so yeah, I think it's definitely where we've talked about like, oh, monthly, we'll just get together monthly and have offsites and let teams rent conference rooms, you know, at an office. So yeah, I, I definitely think this has changed my perspective
0: on remote environments and how possible they are. So for somebody listening, getting inspired, hearing your love of tea, you, you know, thought of this great business, it's going terrifically. But now it's this crazy period of time, which, you know, who knows how long it will last. Is it a good time to start a business? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um,
1: I don't see why not. Um, I think I think it depends on the type of business. And um, I think there definitely are certain businesses that would be easier to start than others. Um, luckily, I think the nature of business that, um, is responding well given current conditions are direct-to-consumer e-commerce. And i um, they're very possible. I lived it firsthand to start out of your house. Um, very low resource. I think that's one thing, like Google is a great free tool. Um, so there are so many different e-commerce platforms that make it very simple to launch a website for anyone. And I think that's the one thing I've been the most surprised at you know even starting sips by um there are a lot of free very affordable tools um that you don't need to be an engineer to
0: build and launch an e-commerce website yeah so i just have to go back to the to the concept of tea for a second what's your favorite flavor (laughs) um so
1: there are so many Um, And they're really, it's rare for me to not like a tea. I think it depends on what mood I'm in, um, because depending on my mood and depending on what I'm looking for, um, I have a different favorite. But if I had to pick one tea for the rest of my life, um, I would, mm, I I couldn't pick just one. If someone forced me to pick one, it would be a dark roast oolong, um, pure, not flavored. Another pure, not flavored, Gyokuro, is a Japanese green tea, and that has the highest um, content of L-theanine in it. And so the taste is a little vegetal for me, but it makes me feel really good. Um, And then when it comes to flavor, um, I really like black tea with vanilla or almond in it. Um, and that's for a hot cup of tea for a colder cup of tea. I love like an iced tea. I love green tea with lemongrass. Um, it's really good.
0: Oh, this all sounds lovely. So (laughs) just to end, I would love to hear from you if there's one piece of advice that has really helped guide you through your career and your life that you could share with us. Of course.
1: Um, so My favorite thing that I repeat every now and then when I'm having like confidence issues, um, is the worst you'll hear is no. And I think that I learned it. My dad would used to say it to me and my sisters when we were little and it was to encourage us to go after the things we wanted in life. And um, I think that fear is something that can get in the way of people chasing after something they want, whether it's starting a company or something in a personal relationship or your career, you know, at work. And I think that, um, and the times that like you, you're fearful of what a response might be like, what's the worst you'll hear, you know, um, And if the worst you'll hear is no, it's worth going after. And I think that I was lucky and fortunate because as a younger kid, it just encouraged me to go after things that very much, you know, were at my fingertips if I just reached out and asked. And so I I think that's by far my favorite piece of advice I've gotten.
0: Well, that is terrific advice. And thank you so much for talking with us. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you, Katie. It's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you too.